Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, coming at you on a Sunday. Uh, everybody's pretty much gone down to settle down, get ready for bed. I am uh, coming here, finish up a good Sabbath day. I also am getting over sickness, so if I have some coughs and some hacking here and there, forgive me. Um, we had we had one of those weeks where it was a survival week, so gotten through it. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I had taken a week off, uh, not last week, but the week before. Uh, you know, you're supposed to take off a, a week every four to six um, weeks from lifting weights and stuff like that to kind of let your body recoup and recover. So I had done that, and then I got sick. Me and the wife got sick. Kids got sick too, but it didn't hit them as hard. And it felt a lot like COVID. So drained, you know what I mean? Uh, for me, it went into my lungs. So I forced myself to get through some workouts, still lifted some weight, still you know, got the sweat on and stuff like that. And now that it's over, um, I think the worst part about it was that I just had a hard time sleeping because I was coughing and hacking all the time, so... I slept like 18 hours last week. I was I was back in the army, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I'm feeling a lot better now. Feeling really good, and I didn't skip a, a workout. I didn't didn't skip skip leg day. Didn't skip nothing. So we're good to go. Good to go. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Um, so getting back to it, brothers and sisters, we're gonna go ahead. Last week we covered. 3 Nephi chapter 6, um, again talking about how the Book of Mormon is a map and a compass and looking at where we are in the timeline of the Book of Mormon, the time that is most analogous to us, and what we can extrapolate from the good book, what we can look at and, and get some good clues as to what's going to happen with us as well, right? Um we are right before Christ comes, which is why I have selected uh, Third Nephi to, to cover. I believe that we we are watching the turmoil happen around the world. We are watching the foundation being laid for a beast-type system uh, to come into play. We are experiencing what the Nephites experienced. Um, and just as a way of recap... We, we did chapter 6 of 3rd Nephi, and I'm going to read the chapter heading just to get us caught up again. Hopefully you've listened to it, to the last podcast. But the Nephites prosper, pride, wealth, and class distinctions arise. The church is rent with dissensions. Satan leads the people in open rebellion. Many prophets cry repentance and are slain. Their murderers conspire to take over the government. About A.D. 26 to 30. Okay, so I um, I want to point out here, real quick, uh, the church is rent with dissensions, right? Now, that doesn't mean that the church, that 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 the basically the church leadership, that Nephi the prophet had fallen, and that the prophets um, that it speaks of here, that these were apostate individuals, right? It, it was That was not the case. Whenever something like this happens, guys, don't look at, at the mouthpiece as the problem and think that you have the solution, okay? We're watching that happen right now. I've, I've uh, lost people to this ideology, just as it happened with them, where the church kind of breaks up and splinters, okay, we're, we're seeing that happen now. How some people will say, oh, uh, dang, that the prophet said something I don't like. Uh, I'm starting to feel like after Brigham Young, um, there wasn't any real prophets after that. We're in a state of apostasy, which goes completely against everything that is in Scripture and everything that... Uh, Joseph Smith uh, predicted and foretold, right? So, we need to look at the body, right? At, at the body of the church. <clears throat> uh, 
look at them and see and understand that the people lose their connection to the mouthpiece. They and in that process they lose they lose connection to Christ, right? They start to have disputations amongst themselves. They start to have all these weird different ideas about what they believe the the doctrine is, right? It, we're experiencing that right now. And I just wanted to cover that because as we see going forward, okay, the the brethren and sisters of the church, the, the layman, right, the, the body of the church, they allowed Satan to get into their hearts. And after long, the church as a whole kind of ceased to exist in a large area uh, of the map, right? We know that Nephi obviously stayed true. We know that there were prophets who were killed by the people because they were preaching repentance, because they were preaching and saying, guys, Jesus is about ready to come. That we, we, we got prophecies about this stuff, guys, right? And they were killed. They sealed their testimonies with their blood from those those people who had apostatized from the church, as well as those who were just non-believers, right? We see that, um, scrolling down here, the last couple of verses paint a picture of a Gadiant and robber type of takeover of, <coughs> of the government, right? These are people who have covenanted one with another, right? Uh, after the manner of the covenants of old, administered by Satan himself, going back to the days of Cain, right? This ancient, evil, abominable stuff, where they promised to back each other up, right? And going to verse 29 in Third in Nephi 6, Therefore they did combine against the people of the Lord, and enter into a covenant to destroy them and to deliver those who were guilty of murder from the grasp of justice, which was about to be administered according to the law. And they did set at defiance the law and the rights of their country, and they did covenant one with another to destroy the governor, and to establish a king over the land, that the land should no more be at liberty, but should be subject unto kings." Okay, I chose that because this is where we are right now, brothers and sisters. We are on the cusp of this. We are in between 3 Nephi chapter 6 and 3 Nephi chapter 7, if, if you're asking uh, Alan here. And I think that I, uh, as I read and as we kind of present this, this chapter, chapter 7, I think that we will all agree that we are in this precarious time. So... I'm going to read the uh, chapter heading here for chapter 7, 3 Nephi chapter 7. The chief judge is murdered. The, okay, the chief judge is like their president. Okay, The government is destroyed. Okay, We have collapse and anarchy. Chaos. And the people divide into tribes. Jacob, an antichrist, becomes king of a secret combination. Nephi preaches repentance and faith in Christ. Angels minister to him daily, and he raises his brother from the dead. Many repent and are baptized, about A.D. 30 to 33. Okay. <coughs> Lots of good stuff to go into, brothers and sisters, so let's get into it. Verse 1. Now behold, I will show unto you that they did not establish a king over the land, but in the same year... Yea, the thirtieth year, they did destroy upon the judgment seat. Yea, did murder the chief judge of the land. Okay. Pause. I'm already pausing. So, the system of judges that the Nephites had established, right, after their last king, Mosiah, okay, he gave them over to a more of a republic type of a government, okay? They started out with more of of the of the king the kingship right more of like what they were doing 
in Israel, like King David and stuff like that. Mosiah, uh, being a Washington type of character, said, you know what, this king stuff doesn't really work out when the king is evil. If the king is good, then a monarchy, yeah, it, it works great, right, if you have a righteous king. But, as we know, human, you know, the human heart is a fickle beast, and it um, unfortunately can be corrupted, right? And we run into some really severe problems when we have a monarch and the, the monarchy is corrupted. So he, he helped to establish a system of judges and a government very much like a republic where there is a chief judge, right? But that it is set up in such a way that we have a lot of Deuteronomy in there, right? If you go back to Deuteronomy, <coughs> you'll see you'll see the Israelites set up in their system of government. Um, something that I believe that we will go back to when it's time to redeem Zion, right? And when the Lord is about to come back. We see that that this is something that has to be destroyed by the the people of Satan, right? The, these followers of the Antichrist, these followers of, of Gadianton. Now, interestingly, brothers and sisters, interestingly, we see that they have to take down what is there already. They have to destroy what is there already because what is there clear up until that point was a protection it was a it was a divinely inspired liberty driven system of government that as benjamin franklin would say is wholly inadequate for a for a godless people right if god is not involved in this government it will fail and satan was able to rage enough to where God gave them over, right? He put he allowed Satan to have them in their power because they just weren't up to par and weren't up to snuff. And that protection goes out the window. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 2. Or, well, before we go to verse 2, that's happening to us right now. Uh, the, God's protection is starting to wane because of the wickedness the adoption of, of pagan ideology and outright satanic worship, brothers and sisters. Um, moving on now. And the people were divided one against another. Chaos, division, right? Us against them. And they did separate one from another into tribes, every man according to his family and his kindred and friends. And thus they did destroy the government of the land. And every tribe did appoint a chief or a leader over them, and thus they did become tribes and leaders of tribes. Now behold, there was no man among them, save he had much family and many kindreds and friends. Therefore, their tribes became exceedingly great. Okay, This is very natural. That's going to happen, brothers and sisters. You know, it, it's one of those things where I think everybody kind of has that mentality that when things like this happen, you want to turtle up with your people, right? You want to turtle up with your people and have a fallback point and, you know, with people that you can trust, people you know, you pool resources together and you get ready to ride out whatever, you know, problems are coming your way. Very much a human condition. Nothing surprising with what we're seeing here with the Nephites, brothers and sisters. When chaos ensues, when you know that um, it has hit the fan, so to speak, this is a very natural human response to something like that happening. It happened to Rome, and you know what I mean. It just—it's—it's it's one of those things. You can predict that. Uh, verse five. Now all this was done, and there were no wars as yet among them, and all this iniquity had come upon the people because they did yield themselves unto the power of Satan. Interesting. Interesting that the wording that they use here, brothers and sisters, doesn't say that Satan got power over them. It says that they did yield themselves unto the power of Satan. Okay, They let their guard down. They did not put on the full armor of God. Okay, 
they had forgotten who they were, what they stood for, right? They had forgotten to follow the admonitions of the mouthpiece of Nephi, right? Of these prophets who had come and who had tried to warn them. They had forgotten all of this good stuff that we know, that we sing about in primary, okay? They had forgotten it. And because of that, they voluntarily yielded themselves up to the power of Satan. And the regulations, verse 6, and the regulations of the government were destroyed because of the secret combination of the friends and kindreds of those who murdered the prophets. Pause. You guys know me. We're, we're going to pause a lot. We're going to talk about this. Brothers and sisters, if you do not think that there is a secret combination today, you're lying to yourself. And you are ignoring and not understanding the scriptures and why they were given to us. Remember, of all of the things, caves, literal caves full of Nephite records, precious, incredibly precious stuff, scriptures. I would love to have a Urim and Thummim and be able to go through there and, and just just randomly pick out stuff and see what it told me. Just golden nuggets of spiritual information here. And the Book of Mormon is assembled in such a way by Mormon, right? The prophet historian Mormon, he assembles it in such a way as to be a map and a compass for us. He is telling us and warning us and giving us messages through his divinely inspired selections of these sacred texts. And as we have stated before, if we pointed out, brothers and sisters, we know that he has gone through, and sometimes he will skim, right? He'll skim through a hundred years or so. As we get here to the coming of the Messiah into this hemisphere, it slows down and we get this incredible detail. Okay, we're getting this incredible detail he would not tell us and mention about all these secret combinations if it was not going to be advantageous for us to know this information. And if it were not going to be analogous to our very situation that we find ourselves in right now. Okay? You can go back, and I've done this before, but you can go back and you can find these selections of things that, that these elected officials have said both on the right and on the left. Some of the most chilling ones were on the right, okay? And I'm a conservative, okay? <coughs> but from the... Some of the most chilling ones were from Republican leadership, and they'll slip once in a while, and they'll talk about how they have initiations, right? And how they have these... These, these clubs and stuff like that, right? And I mean, just really crazy stuff. If you look, you can find some stuff there, brothers and sisters. It's there. And to think that, that this was something that happens to everybody else except for us, and that this may have happened to the Nephites, but it's not going to happen to us. Oh, yeah, of course it happened to the Jaredites too, but it's not going to happen to us. You are fooling yourselves. You put, you've put your heads into the sand and you are not understanding the reason why we have these sacred texts. Okay? A map and a compass. This is to help us navigate. It's not just here for, for us to have this uh, interesting read, right? It is here for a very specific reason and a purpose and we need to understand the very real danger that we are in. Okay? Because like... Like we are warned in the Book of Mormon, I believe it was Moroni, where he tells us to awaken to your awful situation, right? Don't let these, these Gadiant and robbers, these bands of robbers get above you. I got news for you. I think they got above us. I think that they are either right now above us or they're about to get above us. Because of previous generations and our lackadaisical attitudes are easy times that we have had that our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers have granted unto us this great freedom this time of freedom that we've had because of that these secret combinations have gotten above us brothers and sisters and we are in very real danger right now it's happening right now 
the regulations of the government are being destroyed in the United States of America. Okay, because of secret combinations. Uh, friends that are and kindreds who are keeping themselves out of trouble and each other out of trouble because of the secret combinations that they have entered into. They're backing each other up. And justice has not been served on many, many occasions, brothers and sisters. Wickedness prevails. And it, it really, it's, it, with a heavy heart, I say that. You can tell I'm a little passionate about this. <laughs> Alan's blood pressure is getting up a little bit here, but uh, let's go on to verse 7. And they did cause a great contention in the land, insomuch that the more righteous part of the people had nearly all become wicked. Yea, there were but few righteous men among them. Okay? That goes back to what we're saying, guys. The more righteous part of the people had nearly all become wicked. There was a couple. Yeah, there was a couple. When that happens, brothers and sisters, the protection, God can't protect us anymore. He can't. He wants to, but he can't. That protection goes out the window. <coughs> and thus six years had not passed away since the more part of the people had turned from their righteousness like the dog to his vomit, or like the sow to her wallowing in the mire. Pretty pretty uh, intense descriptions there, right? Now the secret combination which had brought so great iniquity upon the people did gather themselves together, and did place at their head a man whom they did call Jacob. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So, his name was Jacob, right? His name was Jacob. He being called after their father, Jacob, right? Israel, whose name was changed to Israel. I think that there is some symbolism here, brothers and sisters. We know that this guy, Jacob, was an antichrist, right? He was probably somebody who understood the gospel, at least to a, 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 probably a pretty dang good degree and who was able to present himself as somebody who had all the answers and who could get them out of this mess that they were in, right? Now, this guy obviously was in league with Satan. He was entered into the secret combination and stuff like that, but I just think that there's a, a lot more to it than we're getting here with the fact that he his name was Jacob. I find that very, very interesting. Um, I could talk about that a lot more, but I'm not going to. I'm going to hold back a little bit. Verse 10, and they did call him their king. Therefore he became a king over this wicked band. And he was one of the chiefest who had given his voice against the prophets who testified of Jesus. Okay. Brothers and sisters, this is a this is a analogous situation that we will find ourselves in. Okay. It has been speculated by many, many, many people, many, many members of the church, and has been outright uh, talked about by many prophets and apostles about the fact that there will come a time when we as a people will be tried and tested, right? President Kimball said, a test, a test, a test is coming, okay? We're going to get squeezed a little bit here, brothers and sisters. We're going to get tried and we're going to get squeezed. Because, as I have said, because of our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers, because of these good men who went and who created easy times for us, we haven't had to be tested before, really, you know. We have enjoyed these easy times, and because of that, we are now in a really crazy time and everything is kind of ripe for there to come the antichrist right now i don't know and i'm not going to pretend like i do know or that anybody else does know save for christ and maybe uh maybe the mouthpiece and and the brethren if this antichrist is on the scene right now right 
this guy that's going that, that it talks about in the book of Revelations, right? This this person that shows up, and then we get a a abomination of desolation scenario like that talks about in Daniel <coughs> and Revelations. But we know that this person will come on the scene, and it looks like he's going to come on the scene soon. And that this person takes over an existing secret combination, right? He's there, and he gets kind of elected to be the main man. Or however, I probably wasn't elected, probably just, probably was the, the best one at flattery and stuff like that, right? Mm. This 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 is analogous to a person that is going to come on the scene. I happen to myself. This is Alan speaking. I believe that he is on the on. He's either in the shadows or he is here now, right? Or about ready to make his his debut uh, pretty soon. And I think that it's interesting that we get to. I think it's interesting that we get to hear and read about this character by name and that it goes out of its way to give us details about him because I think we're going to be dealing with a very similar situation very, very soon, okay? Um, Let's go ahead and move on. Well, before we move on, interesting that they singled out that the secret combination and this antichrist Jacob singled out the people of God okay they singled out the Christians and they went after them and they went after the prophets they needed to take out the people who were raising their voice and testifying of the Christ who was coming uh, put it putting them to death that is going to happen again that's going to happen we will see that happen Okay, now moving on. And it came to pass that they were not so strong in number as the tribes of the people who were united together, save it were their leaders did establish their laws, every one according to his tribe. Nevertheless, they were enemies. Notwithstanding, they were not a righteous people, yet they were united in the hatred of those who had entered into a covenant to destroy the government. Okay? So we see that the people, they were strong enough together to where they were a threat, right? They, the, the secret combinations weren't strong enough to just go out and take over, okay? Interesting. Very interesting. Because if that's the case, then borders changed, okay? The land of Nephi, or excuse me, the land of the Nephites, the nation of the Nephites, the borders changed. You had Billville over here, right? And you had Bobville over here because we're now in a, in a bunch of tribal scenarios. So you got, you know, Williamsville over here. And then you got the Gadianton controlled areas over here. And it would seem that while Bobville and Williamsville, they, they obviously they weren't allies, you know what I'm saying? They were allies in at least enough to say that hey we we're if these Gadians come we'll back each other up. As for right now, we'll just leave each other alone. We'll do our own thing. You st- you stay out of my way. I'll stay out of your way. Right? Interesting. <coughs> we can almost see this existing this happening with our states with our fifty states. Right. And if you guys aren't listening, or if you're if you're not uh, a citizen of the United States, like this still applies. This applies big time, right? Because America holds that, you know, it it, it holds that that special place as a promised land. It is analogous to Israel, right? To Jerusalem and stuff like that. The nation of Israel. Very interesting stuff. I could go into a podcast all, all on that, but and maybe I will at some point. But suffice it to say, our fifty states, many of them, like we're we're kind of entering into that type of a a time frame where, like here in Utah, right? We still 
somewhat value freedom and liberty and stuff like that. The Kansas, Missouri, you know what I mean? The Midwest, awesome, awesome. While we see the coasts, save for like Florida and stuff like that, right? We we see the coasts where they have adopted and they have kind of become strongholds for, for a communism mentality. And there are many things that are being permissible there um, where they're pushing a lot of of communist ideology and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And their their whole goal is to create chaos and division so that something else can come in and take over. Like it's we're experiencing it, guys. We're we're reading Third Nephi seven and we're experiencing it right now. Right. Now we may not be this far along as they were in Third Nephi chapter seven, but the groundwork has been laid. It's been laid. The whole goal is to destroy the Constitution of the United States and get that pesky liberty stuff out of the way, that pesky Bill of Rights, right? So that they can enact their will in a monarch-type scenario, more like a dictatorship, right? Where they can stomp, where they can, where they can do whatever they want, and that they can basically make all sorts of, of wealth off the back of a serf, class of people it's despicable it's disgusting and we are living through it right now they want to destroy the government of the united states and they are succeeding therefore verse 12 therefore jacob seeing that their enemies were more numerous than they he being the king of the band therefore he commanded his people that they should take their flight into the northernmost part of the land and there build up unto themselves a kingdom until they were joined by dissenters for he flattered them that they sh- that, that excuse me for he flattered them that there would be many dissenters okay he flattered them he w- he had a mouth on him right same thing with the antichrist that's supposed to come guys he does the same exact thing to the whore of babylon he flatters the whore of babylon which is our gadianton robbers right he flatters the, the whore of Babylon. That's how he ends up taking over. And they became sufficiently strong to contend with the tribes of the people, and they did so. Okay, we start to see some... We, we see the sword come out. We see the shield come out. Now we're going to battle, right? They're going to start trying to knock out these tribes one by one. And so speedy was their march that it could not be impeded until they had gone forth out of the reach of the people, and thus ended the thirtieth year. And thus were the affairs of the people of Nephi. (coughs) So, this had all happened, brothers and sisters. So Christ was thirty years old, right? Christ was thirty years old. He had not yet uh, been resurrected and stuff like that. He had not yet suffered on the cross. All this is happening prior to all of that happening over there on the other side of the world. Just just interesting to understand that. And that it was for the space of a few years that they existed in this type of a scenario. Okay, before Christ came. They existed in a crazy, intense scenario for a couple of years. And it came to pass in the 30 and 1st year, that they were divided into tribes, every man according to his family, kindred, and friends. Nevertheless, they came to an agreement that they would not go to war one with another. For they were not united as to their laws and their manner of government, for they were established according to the minds of those who were their chiefs and their leaders. But they did establish very strict laws that one tribe should not trespass against another, insomuch that in some degree... Uh, They had peace in the land. Nevertheless, their hearts were turned from the Lord their God, and they did stone the prophets and did cast them out from among them. Okay, we see the Lord is still sending prophets, brothers and sisters. He is still extending that hand, right? He's saying, guys, listen, listen. He wants to help. He wants to get us out of that scenario. Yet, because of the hardness of of the hearts of the people, okay, because of that, they're, they're still killing the prophets, the messengers, true disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Verse 15, And it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels, and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels, and being eyewitness, and having had power given unto him, let me say that one more time, and having having had power given unto him, that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ, and also being an eyewitness to their quick return from righteousness unto their wickedness and abominations. Therefore, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, went forth among them in the same year and began to testify boldly repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I find it very interesting that it focuses this hardcore on, on the prophet Nephi. Okay. Also mentioning here, also mentioning that Nephi had had power given unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ. Sounds like a special witness of Jesus Christ to me, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe that's just me, but we're talking about Nephi who was given the sealing power, brothers and sisters. This guy had the Melchizedek priesthood. He was the authorized servant and mouthpiece on the earth. And to, to think that that mouthpiece doesn't exist in our time is falling for a satanic counterfeit. And it's, it's, it's so sad to see so many of our people fall for that type of thing. Very, very sad to, to see our people falling to that type of thing, brothers and sisters. It, it just... Follow the prophet. He knows the way. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing. Verse 17, And he did minister many things unto them, and all of them cannot be written, and a part of them would not suffice. Okay? Pause. I'm going to keep hammering this home, brothers and sisters. Mormon knew what he was doing when he put this stuff into when he put this stuff into the scriptures when he said okay hey you gentiles read this understand it study it because this is happening to you guys i'm giving you guys the cliff notes the high notes of everything that's going to be happening to you so you understand so you have that map and compass so that you can get through these, these hard times that are coming your way. You guys are going to experience it too, just like we did, right? Just, just like his people had. Saying, guys, this is analogous. Pay attention, okay? Verse 18. And it came to pass that they were angry with him. They were angry with the prophet. What? That never happens. These people who had turned away from the church? No way. That doesn't happen, right? Even because he had greater power than they, for it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. For so great was his faith on the Lord Jesus Christ that angels did minister unto him daily. Okay. <coughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that during these tumultuous times, think about being Nephi. Think about that, that every time you go out to preach about Christ and, and preach repentance and the, the atonement of Christ unto the people of the time, that you're taking your life into your hands. Think about the stress that that does. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. These guys obviously are communing with angels, right? But at the, on the same token, like we're we're mortal men, and if you know, I'm sure that there was some a little bit of uneasiness every time he put on his cloak to go out and to preach Christ, thinking, "Is this going to be the day that I uh, cross over the veil to the other side by having my spirit ripped from my body because of violence to my body?" You know what I mean? We're, we're human. I think that it's one of those things. We all kind of fear that because it's a fear of the unknown. We don't know what it's like to die, you know. Um, but even during that time, that, that evil, that evil has risen, that good has risen for those who are faithful. That those who are faithful, who are standing with Christ, that they are being ministered unto, right? We see that, that Nephi is being ministered unto by angels daily, people from the other side of the veil, brothers and sisters. People are, are ministering to him to hold him and buoy him up, right? 
good has risen to match the evil. It's just a really cool thought to me. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just me, but that gives me hope for these crazy times that we're in, brothers and sisters. And every time I hear President Nelson give a talk lately, every time I hear the, the brethren speak at the pulpit, I feel that hope. I feel the good rising to meet the bad. And I, I, I really do genuinely feel hope in my heart. In the name of Jesus, he did cast out devils and unclean spirits, and even his brother did he raise from the dead after he had been stoned and suffered death by the people. Okay, straight up says that his brother died, but that Nephi rose him from the dead. And the people saw it and did witness of it, and were angry with him because of his power, and he did not, and he did also do many more miracles in the sight of the people in the name of Jesus. Okay. That's a special kind of evil, brothers and sisters, of wickedness. When you see somebody performing miracles, when you see somebody raise somebody from the dead, and you're not amazed and converting over to that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're just, you are upset. You are so mad that he's so powerful. Gosh dang it. Interesting. Very interesting mindset. Very much a, that's a very Laman and Lemuel type of thing, right? (laughs) A very interesting hardening of the heart. And it came to pass that the thirty and first year did pass away, and there were but few who were converted unto the Lord. But as many as were converted did truly signify unto the people that they had been visited by the power and spirit of God, which was in Jesus Christ, in whom they believed. And as many as had devils cast out of them, and were healed of their sicknesses and their infirmities, did truly manifest unto the people that they had been wrought upon by the Spirit of God. And had been healed, and they did show forth signs unto also, and did do some mighty miracles among the people. Okay, that good, that good is rising, brothers and sisters, and it will rise. This is the hope. This is the hope right here. Thus passed away the thirty and second year also, and Nephi did cry unto the people in the commencement of the thirty and third year, and he did preach unto them repentance and remission of sins. Now I would have you to remember also that there were none who were brought unto repentance who were not baptized with water. Okay? Important stuff. There's a reason we do things the way we do it, brothers and sisters. Okay? There's rules and regs for a reason. And when God <laughs> authorizes and, and, and is the author, the literal author of those rules and regulations, we stick to them. Right? This isn't willy-nilly. The gospel is not willy-nilly. Everything is done in wisdom and order, okay? The foundation itself is done with wisdom and order. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone built on that foundation of prophets and apostles. It's there for a reason. It is not willy-nilly. Therefore, there were ordained of Nephi men unto this ministry, that all such as should come unto them should be baptized with water. And this is a witness and a testimony before God and unto the people that they had repented and received a remission of their sins. And there were many in the commencement of this year that were baptized unto repentance, and thus the more part of the year did pass away. Okay. Ends on a high note. Ends on a high note, as opposed to uh, chapter 6. Okay. Brothers and sisters, pay attention to what it's saying here, okay? The brethren, the people who were authorized in the first place from before the government fell, okay? Nephi, the authorized servant, the mouthpiece. He is seeing the church through an extraordinarily difficult time, okay? Now we see that the church splintered and broke up and people turned away from Christ, Okay, probably started their own churches. They turned away from Christ, and Nephi was left with a few righteous people. Okay, A lot of crazy stuff happens, a lot of turmoil and chaos, and they literally took their lives into their own hands and risked their lives for Christ, and they go out and they start to organize the church again. That's incredible to me, brothers and sisters. The church organization was of such import that Nephi said, Okay, got to rebuild. Okay? 
it took us down a couple notches, right? Now we got to start back with however many people they had. They said, okay, let me open up the manual. Let me ask God what I need to do here. You know what I mean? When we have this many people, this is what the church looks like. So we're going to go back to doing things this way. But regardless of what it looked like, however it was operating with however many members they had, right? They followed the rules and the regs that Christ had administered, that God had set, that set forth. Okay? They organized the church with wisdom and order. And they began to lay that foundation out again. But the foundation was the same. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, okay? And the foundation was built on prophets and apostles. One of those things, okay? Now we will see this, um, we will see this foundation, specifically this foundation that Christ will come in and he will set up the Nephite uh, church organization paralleling it with Jerusalem, what he's done in Jerusalem, right? Now I understand that Old Testament church somewhat was different in that it had, you know, very, very, in some cases major, in some cases slight differences. However, there was always the numbers 12, the number 70, right? You had quorums of the 70, the church organization, brothers and sisters, is extraordinarily important. And it has existed since the beginning of time. Now, obviously, when you don't have a lot of members, you have to change things up a little bit, right? But always there is a prophet. Always there is a prophet. There is always a special witness of Christ. Every time. As we go into this crazy time, as we are about to experience this crazy time and these hard times, brothers and sisters, it is an opportunity for those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear. It is an opportunity for these hard times to bring us closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an opportunity for us to grow in a way that we could never grow during a, a easy time. You guys know me. You know that I, I always equate things and I see the world and I make my metaphors using, uh, using weights, right? It's funny because you will never achieve muscle growth. You will never achieve strength. You will never achieve any type of real <clears throat> sense of achievement of anything to deal with with strength and conditioning if you do not subject yourself to hard training sessions, hard times. You cannot get those those benefits and they are benefits, right? Being stronger, faster, quicker, those are a benefit to you physically, okay? You cannot get those benefits without subjecting yourself to uncomfortable, hard times. And that's what we're about to go through right now. We've had it easy for a long time, right? Me and my family watched uh, 17 Miracles the other day, or excuse me, Ephraim's Rescue the other day. And number one, that movie makes me cry. There's a couple of places in there that just that just bring it out of me, right? They just they tear me open. But I was watching that and I was thinking, how long has it been since we as a people have been pushed, tried, and tested? Spiritually, yes, we're going through a, a, a crazy time, of course. It's about to come full circle to where I think that we will experience hard times. I don't know what that looks like, brothers and sisters, but if the scriptures, if the New Testament, if the Old Testament, and if the Book of Mormon here is a uh, indeed a map and a compass, and we are getting a, a, an idea here, right? If we're getting an analogous situation to what we are going to be going through, the covenant people of Christ are going to have to be tried, tested, and squeezed a little bit. 
okay? And I used to think, why does this have to, like, why does this stuff have to happen? It has to happen because the Lord needs people who have gone through it to be strong enough to be able to, to help out for whatever's left. That, that's what it comes down to. Whoever is left, whoever has not apostatized, and I have long said that we're going to shed some memberships, we're going to shed some members, those fair-weather uh, Christians, those fair-weather members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are going to shrivel and fall away. And what is left, the people that are left, the people that, like Nephi and, and, his, and, and his church during his time, those people that are left who go through this, We'll see miracles, brothers and sisters. It, it, it gets me. It gets me a little bit, a little bit teary-eyed to even think about. And I can, I can just, you know what I mean? I feel the Spirit when I say that. Where those of us who stick true, who stick to the gospel, who stick to the prophet, we will see miracles as President Nelson has predicted, as he has foretold as a prophet and a mouthpiece of Christ. We will see, we have front row seats to see. Right now, guys, we're, we're, we have front row seats to see right now what Nephi saw in vision. Which is analogous to what we're reading about in Third Nephi. Okay, scary times, yeah. But if we hang in there, if we stick through it, if we... If we just keep putting out those reps, you guys, like I said, I, I go back to the weightlifting analogies, okay? We're entering into a time of spiritual weight training. And maybe some of us will be called upon to, to watch brothers, sisters, parents, children even, pass over to the other side of the veil without a clear understanding as to why. The Lord has, has called them home. I think about that often. But if we understand, if we understand that, that it is necessary for us to go through these things so that we can grow, so that we can be worthy and able and strong enough after we've done all those reps, those hard reps, where we have to pull the weightlifter face to get it up, right? You got to make that, you know what I mean? You got to push as hard as you can. When you think you got nothing left, right? When, when, you, when you get down there, when you get that bench, or that bar down on the bench and you're on, on your chest, and you got nothing left, that's when Christ comes in and, and, and is your spotter and helps you get it up, right? That's where we're at right now. To those of you who, who have left, to those of you who are thinking about leaving, who are on the fence, this podcast is for you. With all of the, the feeling and brothership and love that I can muster, brothers and sisters, to those of you are, that are in that position, please, please, read the Book of Mormon as it was intended, as a map and a compass. And look at it from the perspective of follow the prophet, he knows the way. Come on back. Come on back. There's never going to be an I told you so. There's never going to be a, a you, you're, you were such an idiot. You know what I'm saying? That's not what it's about. Not, not when we come to this big boy stuff, guys. This is big boy stuff here. This is legit. This is real. This is salvation we're talking about here. You guys know I love you. You, you know that I don't do this for fun. 
This this truly is, and I'm not I'm not up on my ramming up them. This is a sacrifice of time right now. You know what I'm saying? And that time is probably my most precious commodity. I feel that I will have to answer for not speaking up, brothers and sisters. I'm a regular dude who has a testimony of Jesus Christ and who has a testimony of the foundation of Christ's own prescribed way of doing things. And somehow that has become a superpower in the last days of the last days. And because of that, I'm, I'm just doing my part. I'm, I'm raising my voice as an average Joe, saying, Guys, don't fall for that. Come on back, man. Christ is coming. The Messiah is coming back. Brothers and sisters, I have a testimony in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a, go- I have a, a testimony in the healing power of the atonement. I have been a fool in this life. As a younger man, I was a fool. A foolish, foolish young man. And as I have conversations now with my teenager my teenagers you know as as I have these conversations I look back and I look at my parents and the advice and the admonitions that they gave me and I reverence them I look back on the testimony that that they gave to me and that helped to grow my own testimony and I am eternally grateful that I was raised in the situation that I was, not by perfect people by any means, but by people who understood the gospel of Jesus Christ and who knew the value of it, above all all things. And I would seek to convey that message to you, brothers and sisters. I have a testimony of it. I know it's true. Christ wants to help us. Christ wants to protect us. And He will. If there is but at least a little band of us left, it doesn't matter what else happens. Even if the whole nation collapses, we will be okay. We can go about our Father's business. I don't know what the United States looks like. I know, Obviously, I've heard the the prophecies, you know what I mean, I've heard that the Constitution will hang by a thread and stuff like that, and that that the uh, this nation, will, or the, this, this people, the elders of Israel, right, will be the staff upon which the nation leans. I, <laughs> we can't be far away from that. We, we are losing liberty. We... We, we are in bondage right now, brothers and sisters. We are the children of Israel. I love you guys, and I hope that you take this message as a message of hope. Not to be freaked out, but as a message of hope. Because it gives us a clear and concise path to take for safety, for hope, for security. And to have that eternal perspective in mind, brothers and sisters, those who are allowed to tarry through these hard times, who remain true, will see incredible miracles. Next week we cover chapter 8 as we lead up to the return of the king for the Nephites, and as we look at these analogous times to the return of the king again for the second time. And as we know, when he returns to us, brothers and sisters, it will be 
as we have built the city of New Jerusalem after we have redeemed Zion. Okay, we probably won't know about any meeting of Adam on Diamond. At least most of us won't. 99% of the church probably won't. When we will know about it is when he appears and accepts the temple at New Jerusalem. I don't know how much time we got between now and then, but uh, we got in 3rd Nephi chapter 7 to look forward to, I think. I love you guys. I have hope in my heart for the brethren, for the sisters of this church, for all of us who remain true, brothers and sisters, and I just hope that you guys remain true. I hope that we are able to someday meet at the feet of Christ. And every one of us declare together that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of God, the Holy Messiah. I love you guys. I love you from whatever nation you guys are listening from. United we stand, divided we fall. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.